Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beauty O Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 951. Should say good morning, afternoon, or evening. It's a show during which we'll learn about a wonderful new thing called the Bird City Network. We'll also offer a salute to a dearly departed conservationist named Jimmy Buffett. And we begin with an audio postcard, an avian audio postcard. Our Freya McGregor invented this idea, and she has inspired many listeners to send in their own audio postcards, which we certainly encourage. And we're happy about that. We're also happy that she has inspired for the second time her dad, Bruce McGregor, filing this report from near his home in Melbourne, Australia. This is Bruce McGregor in the Dandenong Ranges east of Melbourne listening to a cacophony of Pied Currawongs. They've been doing this calling for about 20 minutes. There must be about 30 of them messing around in the tops of messmate eucalypts. You can hear the calls coming in from 200 metres away. Pied Karawongs. Thank you, Bruce, and Pied Karawongs up there missing around in the eucalypts. <laughs> A wonderful audio postcard there from just outside of Melbourne, Australia. By the way, reflecting back on Mary Comerford's and Chris Bensley's audio postcard from their Puffin viewing visit to Maine that we listened to last week. We're pleased to pass along good news that Atlantic puffins have held their own this year in their climate change-challenged fight for survival. One of the problems for puffins is that warming ocean waters have reduced the numbers of the kinds of fish they need to feed their chicks. The good news, according to Don Lyons from National Audubon's Seabird Institute in Bremen, Maine, is that one fish has remained in abundance... It's the sand lance, and its continued presence has allowed the puffins to continue to thrive. So audio postcards, they're easy to make. Just go into your backyard or any place where you're looking at birds and give a little narration of what you're seeing. Maybe get a little bird sound in the process. And uh, get that file from your phone and just uh, send it to ray at talkingbirds.com. That's ray at talkingbirds.com. Should have given a warning about the sound of this mystery bird. Sorry about that. Not the most... Okay, that's enough, I think. It's our mystery bird, and this is a preview of our mystery bird contest a little bit later on in the show. Our mystery bird is a nocturnal predator with a white heart-shaped face, 
cinnamon and gray upper parts and mostly white underparts. It's a bird that is one of the most widely distributed in the world, found on all continents except Antarctica and on many oceanic islands. It's a bird, as you've probably already figured out, has excellent low-light vision, can easily find prey at night by sight, and its ability to locate prey by sound alone is described as the best of any animal that has ever been tested. It can catch mice in complete darkness in the lab or hidden by vegetation or snow out in the real world. Our mystery bird, one of the relatively few species in which the female is showier than the male. Some clues there about our mystery bird, the contest a bit later on, and a beautiful prize here from our friends at Brome Bird Care. It's the Brome Squirrel Solution, 150 feeder, a 150 feeder. Takes care of the biggest problem that most folks have with uh, bird feeders. It is genuinely squirrel-proof, and it's chew-proof as well. It's also easy to clean and even features a vented seed tray to help keep the seed fresh and dry. Our prize on the Mystery Bird Contest. And if we get to our bonus question, we also have another beautiful prize so birds don't crash into your windows. It's the feather-friendly bird window collision kit. All as uh, part of our Mystery Bird Contest uh, coming along later this morning on our show. So we have a posthumous conservation salute this week that we kind of alluded to there. It's to the great singer-songwriter and environmental advocate Jimmy Buffett. Passed away last week at the age of 76. Jimmy Buffett did a lot of good things on behalf of our planet, including his part in the Save the Manatee effort in Florida. That all started, maybe not surprisingly, backstage at a concert where he met then-Florida Governor Bob Graham and they engaged in conservation or conversation about the endangered manatee. Well, soon after, Governor Graham formed the Save the Manatee Committee and asked Jimmy to be the chair. Jimmy said yes, but not as a figurehead. He took an active role in the nonprofit that was formed and helped with promotional campaigns for the next 43 years. He was also involved with the Save the Manatee license plate, which has raised millions for conservation in the state of Florida. So a posthumous conservation salute to the great Jimmy Buffett. We also like to salute our Talking Birds ambassadors. They're kind of heroes uh, in our Talking Birds audience who volunteer to help us spread the word about the show and about what we're doing, which is to promote the wonder of birds, or the acknowledgement and the awareness of the wonder of birds and the importance of conservation. Thank you to Lawrence Tausch from Marcellus, Michigan. Lawrence says, I have a robin that comes every day for a bath, so I keep my water wiggler over to one side to give her room. I think he might be, uh, Lawrence might be referring maybe back to our Mike O'Connor, who talked about those water wigglers um, taking up all the room in the bird feeder. But Lawrence seems to have a solution to that, and we'll see if Mike has anything to say about that. Thank you to Patty Brown from Chandler, Arizona. Patty is now a new ambassador officially, but she's already done some wonderful ambassadorial activity. She was one of the three amazing ladies who hosted our Talking Birds table at the Southeast Arizona Birding Festival in August. 
along with ambassadors Eliz Linzer and Etienne Martin. Thank you so much, Patty, for your help on behalf of the show at the festival and for becoming an official Talking Birds ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, we want to recruit you as a Talking Birds ambassador. It's very easy to do and very easy to sign up for. We just send you some cards and you hand them out to friends and neighbors at your convenience. You can sign up uh, by, the, by the Get Involved tab, and that's at TalkingBirds.com. You'll see it right at the top of the page there, Get Involved, at TalkingBirds.com. There's no G in talking. No G in there. Still to come today, we'll talk with guests from the American Bird Conservancy, uh, Conservancy about the new Bird Cities Network. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for a live Let's Ask Mike segment about that thing that distinguishes birds from all other creatures, feathers. And up next, a graceful wading bird that famously holds its bill upside down to feed is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Bird, uh, Birdwatching magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. La, la, la. According to National Audubon, flocks of American flamingos from the Bahamas regularly migrated to Florida Bay until about 1900 in what is now Everglades National Park. Today, most flamingos seen on the loose in North America may be escapees from aviaries or zoos. But as a result of the winds from the recently departed Hurricane Adalia, they're back in Florida and beyond. According to the American Birding Association's Rare Bird Alert Facebook page, since late August, there have been flamingo sightings in at least nine states in addition to Florida, namely North and South Carolina, Alabama, Texas, Tennessee, Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. American flamingos are native to Florida, but the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission points out that the birds were hunted to near extinction in the early 1900s and make up only 1% of the global flamingo population. The reddish-pink plumage of these birds is caused by the food they eat. As they dine on algae and brine shrimp, their bodies metabolize the pigments, turning their feathers pink. Real American flamingos look quite similar to the plastic ones, seen making open-to-interpretation statements on lawns and gardens all over the U.S. A flock of flamingos is called a flamboyance, and a flamboyance of flamingos sounds a lot like a gaggle of geese. It's today's featured feathered friend, Phenocopterus ruber, the American flamingo. Welcome again to our show, number 951. Well, Brian Lenz holds an undergraduate degree from the University of Wisconsin, Master of Science degree in primate conservation from Oxford Brooks University, and an MA and PhD in physical anthropology from Tulane University. He birdwatched his way through primatology field work in Belize, Brazil, Costa Rica, and Peru joined the American Bird Conservancy in 2018 after four years as chief scientist at Lake Michigan Bird Observatory and director of the Community Conservation Program at Bird City, Wisconsin. 
and he is the director of the Bird City Network. Joanna Eccles has been watching, studying, and working on behalf of birds all her life. She received her bachelor's degree in wildlife science at Cornell University and her master's degree in conservation biology at the University of Minnesota. She came to ABC with more than 30 years of experience training birds and presenting public programs at the Minnesota Zoo, working with the World Parrot Trust, the Raptor Center at the University of Minnesota, and Audubon, Minnesota, developing window collision and Bird City programs, and she is the Bird City Network Coordinator. Good morning, Brian and Joanna. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, do we have you? Do we have Joanna in the distance there? But in any case, uh, I'm sure we'll get that get that uh, going. Took me a while to cut down those bios for you guys. I have to say, there's a lot of material in there, but uh, I did I did my best there. Brian, let me start off by asking you, what is a bird city? Uh, thanks for having me. I was even as you were reading that, thinking that I need to cut down my bio. So <laughs> we're on the same page. Um, a bird city is a community that comes together to do good things for birds. Uh, if they do enough of the right types of actions, they can be recognized as a bird city. Uh, we organize those actions into four categories, habitat, threats to birds, education, and sustainability. Um, and to become a bird city, it requires like some official buy-in. Uh, that varies from place to place. But the goal is to create new partnerships that will create ongoing actions to benefit birds. And so that sort of defines what a bird city network is, right, in terms of that coordination. Yeah, I mean, lo- there's the local level, mm-hmm. which is the actually applying for bird city and doing things on the ground. Mm-hmm. Then above that, you've got what we call a program, which is either a state or a national uh, level program, which has local organizations that run it. Mm-hmm. And they actually recognize the communities in their areas do the actual outreach um, and and the work. And then above that, you've got Bird City Network, uh, which provides resources and materials uh, for all of the programs to make them easier to operate and run more efficiently. And the network is a partnership of American Bird Conservancy and Environment for the Americas. All right. I want to ask you about that that other organization in a moment, too. But, Joanna, um, becoming a Bird City What's the what's the process? Because you're kind of in charge of that, and and can any city size, any size of city or town, join in? Yeah. So in general, the any community of any size can apply if a program exists in their area. So most of them have created systems through which. Any size can be uh, recognized. So some programs even have campuses that apply as recording in progress. Uh, So in that way, Bird City creates an entry point for almost any type of community who's interested to be recognized for their actions to make their communities healthier for birds and for people. Brian, bird cities are, are are not new. I know there was something called the Bird City USA a few years ago, but that didn't, I guess, really take off, so to speak. But uh, uh, tell us a bit more about the, how this came about. Uh, well, Bird City Wisconsin was actually the first bird city program, uh, and they were created in 2009 and recognized their first communities in 2010. Um, and then... Places started to hear about what was happening in Wisconsin and said, hey, we want a piece of that. And so 
they kind of spread organically, which is why a lot of them at the current time are in the Midwest because they spread from Wisconsin outward. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we watched the spread, it became clear that there was a role for something bigger to help everybody um, make their programs work better. So who's part of the network so far? Mostly in the U.S., but not entirely, right? Uh, correct. We have – actually, I'll let Joanna answer that one because she's the one managing the people who are mm-hmm. currently in. Sure. Okay, yeah. So we have um, nine programs in the United States – um, in nine different states, and you can go to I think I think uh, jo- Joanna is saying birdcity.org, but she kind of froze up there a little bit, so we didn't quite uh, get that, but let's see if we can get that going again. A significant difficulty there with a the, with a the freeze up. It sounds like uh, Joanna, you, um, and I, I seem like we just lost our whole entire Zoom there. Um, okay, well that's all right because I think we got some good information there. Just a little technological challenge. That's all. Um, uh, Birdcity.org is what uh, Joanna was leading to there. I think, and what we wanted to. Mention, and that's because all of the information that you could need if you are uh, thinking about trying to get your city or town to join in. So it's birdcity.org, birdcity.org. It has all of the information. We certainly would like to encourage Talking Birds listeners everywhere and uh, Talking Birds ambassadors certainly uh, to encourage your town or city to uh, at least consider taking part in Bird City. The Bird City Network. It is a terrific idea. And that goes for anywhere in the Americas, by the way. I don't know if uh, Brian got to that point to uh, mention that there are cities, or at least a city, in Mexico and in Colombia, as well as here in the U.S., uh, already part of the network. So do check it out, birdcity.org. Meanwhile here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. All right, this time I'm going to uh, remember to give a little warning about the sound of our mystery bird because it's not the most beautiful sound and it's kind of scary. So if you wanted to turn your uh, speaker down a little bit or your headphones down a little bit just to give a little warning, but here, here it is. Lower, lower the volume too. 
That's our bird, and it's a nocturnal predator with a white heart-shaped face, cinnamon and gray upper parts, and mostly white underparts. Our bird, which is one of the most widely distributed birds in the world, found on all continents except Antarctica and on many oceanic islands, has excellent low light vision and can easily find prey at night by sight. And its ability to locate prey by sound alone when there's no light at all is said to be the best of any animal ever tested. It can catch mice in complete darkness in the lab by sound, obviously, or by or hidden by vegetation or snow out in the real world. Our mystery bird is one of the relatively few species in which the female is showier than the male. The female has a more reddish chest that is more heavily spotted. You know what this bird is, and tell us. At 781-837-4900, that's 781-837-4900. That beautiful broom squirrel solution, 150 feeder, is our prize, and that feather-friendly bird window collision kit, bonus prize if we get to our bonus question. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor is standing by live for Let's Ask Mike. Let's Ask Mike in just one minute. Have you ever dreamed of owning a bookstore? Beauty of Books, a fixture in the birding community for over 50 years, is for sale. With our unique blend of high-tech and old-fashioned customer service, Beauty of Books has remained successful and strong. This thriving business offers the largest selection of new, used, and rare bird books in the world and needs only a new owner who's passionate about birds and books. If you or someone you know would like more information, contact us at customerservice at beautyobooks.com. Thanks. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us in search of colorful bird life and jaguars in Brazil or on our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit questnaturetours.com today. Birds and much more, guaranteed. We're talking about feathers with Mike O'Connor. Feathers, all birds have them and no other creatures uh, do. That's one thing we can say about feathers. And I'd rather say that than talk about the wild turkey feather that I failed to identify out in the radio station parking lot here a couple of weeks ago. Good morning, Mike. Uh, you know, I'm a little afraid, Ray, after hearing that call that you just played. I've been under the bed for the last five minutes since you played that. <laughs> yeah, that was a scary one. I, I really should have. That was a scary call. I sh- it I was. Should, I yeah. Should, yeah. Yeah, well, you warned us, and, I, you know, I should have done what you said. I should have <laughs> turned my radio down. <laughs> well, I, I, didn't, I didn't give the warning the first time, but I, I did the second time. Anyway, so. <laughs> Anyways. What do you want to so, yeah, yeah, that's my least favorite thing. You know, people ask me questions all the time, and I love questions. How to identify a bird from a mm-hmm. photo? What sound is this? How do you keep keep ants off your feeders it's just i love answering questions but i hate when they come in with the feathers oh i hate the feathers they're so hard they're so hard and tricky you know because yeah. each bird has thousands of feathers and many birds have different plumages depending on the time of the year or the sex or the age and so it's it's just a, a challenge and everybody's disappointed when i can't tell them right away and they want it to be some special rare thing when i say oh yeah it's probably a herring gull and they go oh no so, anyways <laughs> That's my wrap yeah. about that. The other thing I want to say about feathers yeah. is that it's, uh, believe it or not, it's illegal to have them. Yeah. They're protected by yeah. law. Birds are protected 
by the uh, Migration Treaty Act, and you can't have feathers. So the ones hanging in your mirror or hanging on your dream catcher, or even if, it, if you find it in your backyard or it floats down Forrest Gump style, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to have it. So if you find a feather and you want to identify, grab your little phone and take as many pictures as you want. Take a lot of pictures. Sometimes put your foot down next to it so you get a sense of size. That's important. So, you know, if it's a foot long, that's perfect. If it's three inches long, then you can base it on something next to it. And and, and more importantly, learn, uh, pay attention to the location because uh, where the bird, you, you want to narrow it down to, you know, what bird's more likely in that location. lady sent me a wonderful black and white photo the other day, and I thought she lived on the beach, so I thought it looked like a willet. And, but I asked her later on where she, where she found it, and she found it in Michigan or someplace, someplace where there's no willet, so we went with uh, pileated woodpecker, which turned out to be correct. But if you do find a feather, and, you, and don't bring it in to me, if you want to do it on your own, there's a really good book, Stackpole book, puts out a book on feather IDs, and that's really good. Or you could go online to the Feather Atlas that uh, Fish and Wildlife puts out, and it'll ask you a series of questions, you know, the, the, the length, where you found it, the color, and match it, match it, and then eventually it'll come up with an alternative or some choices for you. Can't tell you exactly what it's found. Yeah. And I found this guy online. Just I'll give him a shout out because I don't know who he is, but his name is Kawa, not Kawa. I, I don't know how to say his name. K O A W K O A W Nature, and he does this twenty-minute uh, YouTube video on feather identification using these tools that we just talked about. Very helpful. Explains how feathers are, different kinds of feathers, importance, and it's very simple. And I, and I thought it was very helpful. So if you find a feather. Either go to the book or just don't pick it up. Right. Um, or, or go to the Feather Atlas uh, and watch this guy's video. It's pretty good. Right. And if I find another wild turkey feather, I'm definitely going to know what it is right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome for that, Ray. <laughs> talk to you next week, Mike. All right. I'm going back under the bed. Okay. Talk to you later. <laughs> Mike O'Connor here on Talking Birds, and we'll be back to the uh, Mystery Bird Contest right after this. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. Okay, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to lower the sound even more on this uh, mystery bird just because it's you know the way it sounds a little we, you want everybody's under their bed by now I suppose anyway but uh, there it is a nocturnal predator with a white heart shaped face cinnamon and gray upper parts and mostly white underparts so that description is uh, pretty uh, I think definitive in identifying this bird but we'll see Erica is in Rochester. New York. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Ray. How are you? Um, well, thank you. Rochester, what's the nickname? I know they have a kind of a colorful nickname. Am I right for Rochester? Um, we're commonly known as the Flower City. The Flower um, City. Which originally, yes, which originally stems from the flower mills along the river, but uh-huh. has morphed into more of the Lilac City now from that sense, from a flower. <laughs> okay, the Lilac City. I like it. So you heard that scary bird and the clues about it, uh, Erica. What do you think? Uh, my guess is a barn owl. Barn owl is absolutely right. A definitive answer for sure. Okay, now we have a really silly uh, uh, bonus question here. Would you like to try it? 
Sure, why not? All right, why not? Eggplant is a popular food item, but why is it called eggplant? A, it's because in colonial times it was often served with eggs in a dish invented by Benjamin Franklin. B, it's because of its likeness to a swan's egg, as suggested by English botanist John Gerard. Or C, it's because it's actually a hybrid between an egg and a plant. That's what makes it a really silly uh, question, I guess. But what do you think uh, about those choices there, Erica? I'm going to go with B. B would be because its likeness to a swan's egg is actually exactly right. Yeah, that's why it's called eggplant. Makes sense, right? Erica, thank you. You've won all the stuff there. So if you'll stay on the line, we'll arrange to uh, send that stuff out to you. Great. Thank you so much. We love your show. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you, Erica. Erica in Rochester, New York, the Lilac City, correctly identifying the barn owl and also the eggplant thing. We are out of time for the show this morning. We have another American Bird Conservancy guest next week. Hardy Kern will tell us about the latest or the latest about bird-killing pesticides known as neonicotinoids or neonics. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.